Turn with me, please, in your congregational Tanakh to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Again, the notes for this are on the announcement sheet. We've been working through these uh, verses for a couple of weeks here because I'm really trying to be slow down a little bit and make sure I'm very clear. Um, the, the point of, of the chapter in many ways is about unity, which is community. All right? A community that is effective is a community that's united. They're aligned. In fact, you're going to hear a lot about that. We're going to hear that word a lot in the next year, alignment. Anybody know what an alignment is with a car? Anybody know what an alignment is? Yes, Don does. What is an alignment, Don? Yes, it, the alignment is necessary so that the, the, that the car can go straight because all the wheels are pointed in the right direction. All right? How many of you ever go to a chiropractor for an alignment? My wife has. What's an alignment for, Carla? Make sure the back is straight. Right? Communities need to be aligned, meaning people need to be heading in the same direction, on the same page, thinking in terms of one mind, in terms of where we're going. It doesn't mean there's complete and total uni- uniformity, but there's a unity, a unity that exists. And so Ephesians chapter 4 is talking about the unity of the body of Messiah and the importance of it for the congregation to function effectively as a community. And so uh, we've been talking about united for service uh, from chapter 4 verse 7 until the end of verse 16. And we talked about uh, the importance of service, that if we as a community understand our common calling, as followers of Messiah Yeshua, if we understand what God has called us to do together, then we understand that that calling brings with it a common responsibility to serve one another. We need to serve one another. As Bob Dylan told us so many years ago, you got to serve someone, might as well serve the Lord, you know? Well, if you're serving the Lord our God, the Lord calls us to serve one another, all right? So he has made it possible. That's amazing. God has made it possible as the text talks about in verse 7 through 10, which I'm going to read real quick. But to each one of us, grace was given in keeping with the measure of Messiah's gift. Therefore, it says, when he went up on high, he led captive a troop of captives and gave gifts to his people. Now, what does he went up mean except that he first went down on the lower regions of the earth? The one who came down is the same one who went far above all the heavens in order to fill all things up. Too many people spend time in verses 9 and 10, which is a little confusing, honestly. But in verses 7 and 8, that's the meat of the section. God has given us gifts. Anybody here like gifts? Hanukkah's coming up. You going to get any gifts for Hanukkah? Are you going to give any gifts at Hanukkah? I was talking to somebody who consistently doesn't give gifts. Not even to his mother. <laughs> and I said, dude... You've got to learn to give gifts. And you need to make sure you give a gift to your mother. Okay? Some of us aren't so good at it. God, he's great at it. Gifts. God has given us gifts. And, and even in Romans chapter 12, what Zach read, gifts. The word here is charisma. Basically, it's, it, these are spiritual gifts. Spiritual enablements. And the purpose of these enablements is to build up the, the community. It's not for you and your personal interests. 
All spiritual enablements are simply for the building up of the community. And you are spiritually enabled for that purpose. And you need to figure out, as a believer in Yeshua, what those are. And we're going to be working on that in January. I'll be speaking about it and we'll be teaching about it. Because I think that's an area of deficit within our community. All right? But then he goes on in verse 11. And, he, and it says, He himself gave some to be emissaries, some as prophets, some as proclaimers of the good news, and some as shepherds and teachers to equip the Kedashim for the work of service for building up the body of Messiah. This will continue until we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of Ben Elohim to mature adulthood to the measure of the stature of Messiah's fullness. So here we have gifts too. These are spiritual roles. Spiritual roles, gifts that God gave to the community to build the community up. All right? Roles that are played. And uh, again, my understanding of this, we talked about it last week, so I'll give you an opportunity to write in the notes because it's on the back of the page. When it says here in the text, uh, he gave some to be emissaries, these are shlechim. These are people that do things, that they build things that didn't used to exist. I mentioned Tamar Carney, who was one of our shlechim. And, and, uh, and um, Shmuley. Uh, Stephen Arnold. Stephen Arnold. <laughs> I, know I, uh, I know him as Shmuley. So Stephen Arnold, who is a shaliach, who we support, who's doing a brand new work down in uh, Brazil. These are emissaries. All right? Don't let anybody tell you these roles are discontinued. Ah, forget that. These are shaliach. These are shlichim. They're out there doing something that no one has ever done before. All right? That's an ambassador, someone who established new works. Prophets, these are individuals, edifiers, preachers, the challenged people toward the greater spiritual goals and to avoid apostasy. It's not, it's not just speaking forward the truth. We look at the prophets in the Hebrew Scriptures, they are edifiers. They are challenging the people. That's why they're getting killed all the time. No one likes to be challenged, especially in our day. Proclaimers, apologists, evangelists, people that are announcing the message of Messiah to those who either have never heard it or to those who don't yet believe it. But the bottom line is, is that these are, this is a role in the community that exists today and in shepherds and teachers, overseers, educators, training the believers to daily live out their faith with growing spiritual maturity. A congregation that does not have individuals serving with these roles is a congregation that suffers. You know, it suffers. And as I said last week, what role is it that God wants you to play? Have you thought about it? Have you ever thought about it? You need to think about it. These are roles we need active within this congregation if we're actually going to get anywhere. And I, and I believe we're, we're lacking an understanding on this. We really are. And we're certainly lacking on action regarding it. These are things that we need to work on. And we'll work on it starting in January. But then it goes on and it says, take a look at verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be like children tossed around by the waves and blown all over by every kind of wind of teaching by the trickery of men with cunning and deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all ways into Messiah who is the head. From him the whole body is fitted and held together by every supporting ligament. The proper working of each individual part produces the body's growth for building itself up in love. Now, here, this is a follow-up to what we were talking about, about emissaries and prophets and, and proclaimers and pastor-teachers. Here we have 
uh, pointing out of some obvious problems that often take place within communities, and that is dissension. <laughs> that is bad teaching. You know, the Messianic Jewish community is an amazing entity. Been around in its modern role for about 40, 50 years almost, all right? And yet we have managed in our short little span of time to spring up and facilitate all kinds of aberrant theological beliefs. All kinds of aberrant theological beliefs. All right, there's whole movements that exist, something called one law, all right, where the teaching of one law is that, that Gentiles need to keep the law just like Jewish people to the point of circumcision and observance in every way just like Jewish people. Now, it's an interesting theology when you study it because in some ways it's a flip on what is Reformed Christian theology, which, which, which uh, teaches that Israel is not the Jewish people. Israel is just the people of God, you know? It's a, it's a common, it's a common uh, belief. Uh, great teachers believe it. R.C. Sproul, uh, um, uh, Piper, up in, uh, who's not retired, believes this. It's really the predominant view. If you go to up to Trinity, which is a Christian seminary up here, it's the predominant view. Uh, outside of, uh, honestly, outside of like Dallas or Moody, most groups would, would believe this. I remember I was, at, I was asked to go and speak about Judaism at uh, Southern, whatever, in Louisville, Louisville. Uh, big old, the biggest seminary in the world, and they're Baptists, so the Baptists do everything big. And so I was down there, and they asked me to, to talk with them, be there to talk about Judaism, and these are all PhD students, you know, and, and professors, and I had a good old time, and the best part of it was to point out to them that the basic core of their theology is anti-Semitic. And they listened to me. Doesn't happen very often within the Messianic Jewish world, but these goyim actually listened to me because I hit a chord. Because a key piece of their theology is that we as Jewish people are irrelevant. God is done with us. They don't mean it. And I said, I don't, you don't mean it in terms of being anti-Semitic. But you have to understand this piece of theology that you hold just takes us, just wipes us out. We have no value. And in the past, this piece of theological understanding, which again, the Catholics hold, the Orthodox hold, the Anglicans hold, this piece of theology does, does, has done us great harm. Done us great harm. And they were very gracious. It was a great conversation. They haven't invited me back, but it was a very good, very good meeting and a very good discussion. And they really are wonderful people. I know they're all thinking based on, on the discussion. But... Doctrine matters. Doctrine matters. Theology matters. Even in Judaism, where people say Judaism really doesn't have a theology, that's just not true. Judaism believes in specific things. Judaism believes in one God, none other. Right? Judaism believes in the fact that there is sin. Judaism believes that repentance is necessary. As Paul says, they have a tremendous zeal for God, yet they lack what? They lack the knowledge of Yeshua's atonement. That's what they lack. That's that piece of theology which we need to be proclaiming to them. But within the community of faith, especially as you read through Paul's writings, you get to the end. I was reading in First and Second Timothy the last couple of days. He gets to the end, and, and at the end, and especially in Second Timothy, he's like, everybody's just the world's gone nuts. Everybody's abandoned me. Everybody's opposed to me. Paul, 
People have left the faith. People have aberrant beliefs. Paul is complaining about this. It's not just me who complains about these things. Paul was complaining about this. We need to understand that the responsibility of spiritual leadership is to make sure that the community is aligned in theology and doctrine. It's extremely important. Because otherwise, dissension results. And the people in the community is is hurt. When he says here, we are no longer to be like children tossed around by the waves and blown all over by every wind of teaching. Sounds like what what James talks about in chapter 1 of his book. So spiritual leaders need to serve the community when it comes to the spiritual responsibility of, of, of teaching and right doctrine. They're to warn the Talmudim, and they are to uh, make Talmudim. Warn, meaning, taking it from this passage, where they understand their responsibility is to stand up and to provide uh, proper teaching when it comes to what is right and what is wrong. Now, I want to read something, though, because I think this is a a good time to read. I read this mm, almost 25 years ago out of U.S. News and World Report when it was still a print edition. Uh, It's an article by Stephen Roberts. It's called Leading the Faithful in an Age of Dissent. This is, again, 1993. In this age of self, the language is filled with phrases that glorify personal choice above all other values. Self-determination, self-knowledge, self-esteem, self-help, even do-it-yourself. In this climate, no doctrine is safe, no dictate accepted without scrutiny. The touchstone of belief today is the individual, not the institution. Priests, like precinct captains, have lost authority. The same voters who talk back to their political leaders on call-in shows and town meetings are talking back to their religious leaders as parish council meetings and communion breakfasts. While 85% of American Catholics look up to the Pope as a moral leader, four out of five say they follow their own conscience rather than papal authority on moral questions. The phrase cafeteria Catholics describes those who pick and choose among church teachings. But in religion as in politics, the more appropriate analogy for modern mores is a, to fast food rather than to cafeterias. As the slogan for one hamburger chain puts it, used to put it, have it your way at... Yep. How do leaders lead when followers don't want to be led? This is 25 years ago. People, you know, guys, it's worse today. I mean, may not be you, but I would say this. Most people in our society are narcissists. It's all about them and their interests. There's very little respect for leadership today, especially spiritual leadership. I see it all the time. Some congregational leaders have their congregants treat them so schlab. Rabbi Barry Budoff, a blessed memory, one of the nicest guys that ever lived, on more than one occasion had his congregants screaming at him. One of them, he told me about, you know, swearing at him. Because they disagreed with something he, was, he did. Ever happened here, that person would be kicked out of the congregation. Why? Because outside of authority, this doesn't function. Everything breaks down into anarchy. Spiritual leadership has a responsibility to serve the community. That's why when I look at people that serve, really serve, I like them. <laughs> 
That means that they get it. The people that come early to help set up, stay late to clean up, who volunteer, those are people that I see and I really love because they get it. Partially because God gives spiritual gifts. Most of the spiritual gifts, just to let you know, have to do with service. They're all behind the scenes stuff, service. If you ever get the opportunity to lead, if that opportunity it becomes evident you have a gift, standing up here, giving a message, leading services, it is a burdensome responsibility. Why? Because unless your heart is soft before the Lord, it's all ego. Remember one guy basically talking to me, he was part of this community several years ago, and, and he loved the limelight. And, and he talked to me and made it very clear to me, I would never let this person up here because this person loved the limelight. Now, this is not a stage performance. In any way, being in front of the community is a, tr- it's a tremendously difficult burden of service. That's what it should be. Spiritual gifting. It's enablement. Leaders are to serve the community. But all too often in our days, leaders, especially spiritual leaders, are maligned. They're gossiped about. They're ridiculed. They're questioned. All right, fine. All right? I mean, uh, someone I was talking to, a friend of mine who leads a big old congregation, and he sa- I said, do you ever have any of these issues? He says, not so much, but you're working with Jews. Isn't that part of Jewish culture to question everything, including the leaders? And I say, yeah. It's true. Doesn't, it's not necessarily a good thing. You know, what's really good, I love it. Matt will do this. Matt's always Mr. Innovator, okay? It's not bad. I don't mind it when people throw out ideas and, you know, in, in question. Because, you know, as many of you well know, you know, I don't know everything. <laughs> All right? But respect for authority is so critical within a community absolutely critical within a community because if it doesn't exist ultimately anarchy will prevail and the community will collapse several of our communities messianic jewish communities have gone through this and and have been destroyed several (laughs) right as we think about our community and the fact that god has a work for us to do we have to remember that part of what we have to have is alignment And we need to understand what it means for leaders to lead and for people to follow. A Talmud is a learner. A Talmud is a learner. Are are you first and foremost a Talmud of the Lord your God? Do you want to learn from the Lord? What's your heart attitude like? Are you really willing to learn? To have a teachable attitude means you desperately desire to want to know. There are a lot of things maybe you know and you don't know. Are you honest about it? You know, again, as we go forward into 2018, one of my goals is to provide opportunities for people to learn. As I watch many of you, Davin, you know, pray traditionally, many of you obviously don't know how to do it. (laughs) All right? It's my responsibility, my fault. I want to provide more opportunity. Just a couple, but opportunities for people to learn how to do it properly. People have mentioned the desire to learn in different things. We want to provide those opportunities. But are you willing to learn? I mean, David Barker was leading a, 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 a parashat study. Basically, nobody was going. Nobody was going. So I said, don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, there's a proverb. It's a Jewish proverb. It's also a Christian proverb. I'm sure it's a Muslim proverb. Where there are no sheep, there is no need of a shepherd. Where no one wants to learn, 
There's no need for a teacher. Do you want to learn? Are you teachable? If you really don't want to learn, and ultimately, much of what God wants to do in and through you will not happen because God knows you don't know it all. I know I don't know it all. That's why I try to read all the time and talk to as many people as I can and learn as much as I can because I want to be all that God wants me to be. I want to, I want to know whatever it is that's necessary for me to fulfill God's expectations for my life. How about you? Now, there's a warning. I just want to read a couple of passages here real quick. <clears throat> Uh, when it comes to this. Take a look, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. There's two verses here, verse 7, verse 17. Verse 7, chapter, Hebrews 13, verse 7, this is page 1,158, and it says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. I like that verse because you got to follow somebody. Paul says on more than one occasion in his writing, do what I do, follow what I do. Why? Because often we don't want to. We kind of want to do our own thing. Imitate people. I imitate. I don't, you know, I'm a great plagiarist. I like to copy what works, okay? How about you? How about you? We provide. My wife and I provide an example to follow. We've been walking with the Lord for... 35, 40 years, 30 years of marriage, basically. Raised, I think, a couple of good kids. Do you ever think about our example? Think about it. I know that I have watched others who follow the Lord and their kids follow the Lord. Those are the people I watch. If I see a great spiritual leader, someone who preaches and all the rest, but their kids don't love the Lord, I listen to what he says, but I don't necessarily do anything he does. You know why? I wonder what happened to those kids. Follow good examples. Be a Talmud. Learn from people that are older than you that have been doing it right. Learn. Learn from leaders. Follow their example. Verse 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as ones who must give an account. Boy, I read that and it's like, you know, I'm responsible. I'm responsible. I have to give an account for you all responsible. It's a burden. That's leadership. God may call some of you to become leaders. God may call some of you to become rabbis or shlechim or elders, zachanim within the community. All right? Uh, Shamashim on the synagogue board. You assume responsibility. Yudit, who's not here, she's in the nursery. Yudit is responsible for the youth. You young people, do you appreciate all she does for you? Or do you complain when you don't get what you want or something? She is burdened by you young people. Demonstrate appreciation by returning her calls, returning her texts. Get her a present. Appreciate your your leaders. Because what happens, and I've seen this time and time again, they burn out. There must be, I must know a dozen people at least at this point who were effective in ministry or no longer in ministry, they burned out. They got, couldn't deal with all of it anymore. Okay? Understand the burden. Appreciate it. Make it easy. Make it easy on me. Make it easy on the other leaders in this community. All right? Understand and appreciate what leadership is. James, which is the next page. James chapter 3, verse 1. 
Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, since you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. Well, there you go. And yet, what does it say? Some of you are going to be pastor teachers, meaning you're going to be overseers and instructors. Take it carefully. Take it carefully. Understand the burden and the responsibility. It is not, never an ego trip. (laughs) Never an ego trip. God has entrusted to you individuals' lives. You answer to God. You mess somebody up. As Yeshua said, if a person abuses children, the better if he had a millstone hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea. You know, he's not saying, it's not light. You know? Don't mess with kids. If you do, there's a special place in hell for you. All right? We say, well, I'm a believer. Okay, well, (laughs) chew on that. Think about it. I don't think it means you're going to lose yourself, but God is going to be really ticked off at you if you mess around with kids. We understand the burden of responsibility. Yet, spiritual leaders are necessary for the community to move forward. This entire section, what I really enjoyed about teaching through this more slowly, gives me a chance to maybe emphasize a little bit more, you know, I think that, uh, that God has a tremendous work he has for us to do as a community. I think that there are some things we need to, to tweak. I think that uh, all that's gone on in, the last, in my life in the last two years has really been uh, challenging me, and I think I see a little bit of clarity in a parting of the, uh, of the clouds. But as a community, I know I've seen that uh, over the course of the last couple of years, there's been a lot of up and down and a lot of change. And uh, I think God allows difficulties and struggles at times to grab our attention. Don't ever think otherwise. God loves us. God wants us to be more and more useful for him. Complacency and comfort are not what God has promised. It's not what he's promised. He's promised. Yeshua says, in this world you will have what? Tribulation. You're going to have difficulties. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Difficulties are there to grab our attention, to make us think, to make us uncomfortable to see things from a different light. God allows that because otherwise we would just be fat and happy. <laughs> and that's of no value. <laughs> okay, it really isn't of value. All right? So as we go through this season, this holiday season, thinking about the Maccabeam and all that they did, they sacrificed their lives. So in essence, we could exist as a people. And then God sent the Messiah Yeshua, born as a child, all right, and the incarnation and the amazing reality of what that is, all of these things for our benefit so that we might more effectively follow the God of Israel, that we might be more effectively a testimony to God's faithfulness to even all the nations. So let's think about these things over the next couple of weeks. And then when we come back in the new year, we're going to focus on some practical issues related to spiritual gifts and enablements and spiritual roles and responsibilities that the Lord might be able to do things through us in 2018 we weren't quite ready for in 2017, but that we're ready for by his will in this new year. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for the challenge of your word. We thank you, God, for the fact that you indeed have given us great gifts. Help us, God, to understand the responsibility that comes with it, the, 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 the burden, the appropriate understanding and burden of responsibility. Help us to also ponder that. Regardless of what our role is, whether our role is with the, with the food, or with the kids, or with services, or with sound, and any of these things, God, 
Help us to understand. Help us to understand the seriousness of what it means to live as your called people. Help us, God, to be a better testimony. Help us, God, to to make inroads in areas that would allow your light to shine in ways that's never shined before. Again, we thank you for this season. I pray, God, that we would rejoice in this season and that we would gain deeper understanding in terms of who you are and what it is you desire of us. We pray all this in Yeshua's name.